the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to the Weekly Matches Nail Show. I'm your host as always, Fat Brian, joined with my now regular co-host, Fantastic Tom McFadden, that you can find at Football CFB, of course. Um, lots to talk about this week. Uh, first of all, Callum, how you doing, mate? Not bad at all, Phil. It's been an interesting weekend and lots to talk about, as always. Interesting weekend. What happened in the last two weeks has been so unpredictable. You know, but uh, no one imagined that this was going to happen and, and uh, the Super League thing was going to be announced. I suppose in one sense, what it illustrates, Callum, is high and sandry, the whole situation is over owners, right? And all it ever takes is one spark for it all to light again, for everything to kick off again and for this to resurface. And um, I want to talk about a couple of narratives that have made their way into the media that are really, really important. Um, and uh, I must say, through all of this... Jimmy Carragher has been a voice of reason, more so than many people who are connected to Manchester United. And I would also say that Gary Neville has been a voice of reason too, um, not just about United but about Liverpool and understanding the ethos of those football clubs. Um, <clears throat> it is a bit concerning to me that uh, Gary Neville took so long to find his voice. Um, <laughs> but I will say this, Callum, and this is important. If someone eventually jumps on board, they shouldn't be constantly criticised and reminded of why they didn't do it before. Otherwise, what's the point of trying to convince anyone, right? That this is the right thing to do and to join the movement and to... Because if you're going to constantly remind somebody that there was a point they didn't support this, you know, I don't think that's productive. And obviously, there's legitimate questions being asked about Gary Neville's incentives, given that he owns Salford, who's a, 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 you know, someone that, of course, would have been directly impacted by what is happening. Um, and, of course, I had uh, Rodri Giggs on the show last week. Some people criticised me for doing that, saying the only reason why I brought him on was because he was Ryan Giggs' brother, which, to me, um, you know, is totally unfair. First of all, the fact that, the, for those who think that there's no reason to interview a guy... Who was also who also played for Salford and managed them. He has a very close relationship with Gary Neville, Paul Scholes, uh, who grew up in the same household as one of Manchester's greatest ever players, um, and who, of course, lived in that world and is well aware of lots of things that go on behind the scenes at the football club that lots, most people don't. And so, to me, there was a lot of information to be had there um, about. Um, things that I don't know about. And there were some interesting comments. He slated Guy Neville for being a hypocrite because he goes, hey, listen, when he came into Salford, he changed the colours of the team from orange to red and black. What about the fans? What, what, he did, you know, sack managers and he's on whining about managers not getting time. And he's like, you know, he's a hypocrite. Possibly. We're all hypocrites to a degree. right? But that doesn't mean I'm wrong about the Glazers and what he's saying. right? He's right. But Callum, forgive my cynicism, but... It's interesting to see all these big companies, Sky, BT and what have you, finally platforming people with these point of views. And just <laughs> so happens that their interests converge with the average fan. And so therefore, they like the illusion of we're all about the fans, right? And so we care about you. No, no, it just so happens coincidentally that our interests are similar in this for different reasons. Um, and how quickly it took to get the Glazers to listen. Um, 
it'd be interesting to see if we get a statement anytime soon from the Glazers after the weekends. Um, surely, if they heard the reaction to the Super League, then they will have heard the reaction to what happened at the weekend. You would think so, and, and your point on the broadcasters is, is true. Um, Sky and BT sort of siding themselves as, as the, the beacons of hope in football, I must say, I, I do find quite funny. Um, this is this is Sky, who were integral in the Premier League breakaway, uh, or the formation even, um, that has seen most of the incoming English football stay in the top division. I know they, they pay for... The football league in England as well, but I just I just found it rather rather funny that they're on the side of fans of all clubs and they are striving to make the pyramid better when, when all the money's contained in the in the one division. But you're right, that aside, I think a protest of this nature was always going to be on the cards. Mm-hmm. The, the training ground protest was clearly clearly only the start, and 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 it's only the start now. I've spoken to someone who was at the protest at the weekend, Raman Paul, a guy I know well, and, and, and in his opinion, it's a necessary protest. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie Carragher articulated this well. Uh, Graham Soonis was talking because United aren't winning. It's not that at all. It's it's an accumulation of 16 years of anger, frustration, hurt, betrayal, and much more as well. Much more. Fans have clearly had enough. It's the, the, the tipping point has clearly been uh, the Super League. Um, not just that, the apology from Joe Glazer, you reference when we'll hear from him next. It was a lame apology. It was very lame. Uh, I know John Henry got a lot of stick for his um, staged PR response on camera, but still better than what Joe Glazer's ever given Manchester United fans. The fact that he can't front up face to face sums up everything you need to know. The statements that are, are, are reported and written by the Glazer family, I don't believe for a minute Joe Glazer. <laughs> It's that, and he's, he's even read that. He's just said, right, a statement needs to go out, sign off, put out whatever, I don't care. I think it's important to state, and I know you agree with me this and Phil, that, that any violence towards a police officer or a member of staff has to be called out. It's unacceptable. But mm-hmm. the protest was largely peaceful. Of course, you're always going to get a small number of idiots who want to make a further statement and want to make it about themselves and want something to tell their pals, the beard garden or wherever you're allowed to go at the moment with COVID. But the, the crucial thing for the Glazers and the crucial thing for how they respond to this is this is not going to be the last of these protests. Quite the reverse. Roy Keane hinted at this on Sky. It's probably the start of a string of protests and demonstrations, which are, as Gary Neville called for in Sky, some people have, have, including Simon Jordan actually, have called Gary Neville out saying he's inciting riots, which I suppose is a a step too far, I agree. I I think for me, the, 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 the word demonstration interests me in this one because I think fans will become more organised with this. And I think as time goes on, you're going to see fans of of maybe even rival clubs unite and continually keep this going. Terry Henry was on Sky here in the UK last night talking mm-hmm. about being part of a consortium looking to buy Arsenal. I think the next few months will be telling. Um, you, you can obviously come on to the Glazer family and the, what, what's been reported in the States and the reaction over there. But if this continues and if momentum starts to... If momentum starts to build and it's and it's maintained, and as you've said last week, it doesn't get lost with idiotic action. If, it, if, it, if the, the, the protest and the message of that maintains and, and keeps strong, it'll be interesting to see how long it is before someone or a group of people 
Arsenal's interest in Manchester United because, let's be honest with you, the, the guy who's <coughs> interested in Arsenal, Daniel Ek, it's a PR masterclass, even if he doesn't go through and buy it. He said he's interested, it makes all the right noises. So I think with the, with the momentum of the protest gathering, there is going to come a point where I think someone will test the water. But then again, that all depends. And in, in, in if this has affected the Glazer family, even by 1%, which is probably highly doubtful, considering that there's been protests before. We've seen the green and gold scarves in 2010, and they didn't waver then. So... I don't, I don't think they'll wave them now, um, and and it all will come on to Peter Schmeichel's comments, and he talked about working with them, which I know we've got our thoughts on. So it's a tough time, but I think as Gary Neville said, this has to be the start of something that's organised and sticks to the core message. Because the moment you lose that core message, then as I've said last week, they can divide the fan base. But it was a statement. They cancelled the biggest game in English football. It went all around the world, and you, you can't deny. It was effective in the sense that it's got a lot of people talking and you cannot avoid talking about it, which for many years you were able to avoid talking well, about what it. Was... Because... Sorry, mate, go ahead. Because <clears throat> you, you were able to avoid talking about it for many years yeah. because it would be the whole classic broadcaster attitude, right? Let's just stick to the football. Uh, United are still winning trophies. Ignore, ignore, ignore. Whereas now, when the fans cancel the game, they cannot ignore this anymore. And in two weeks' time, three weeks' time, this is still going to be at the forefront if fans keep this momentum going. It's funny, one of the first people to ask me about this, outside of my social circle, of course, um, was uh, one of our uh, Mexican friends. <clears throat> and um, she is, an, well, I just I love this girl, right? Just a lovely human being. And I uh, saw her Monday morning, and she listens to everything in Spanish. And first thing she says to me is, uh, what happened with the Manchester Native fans? I'm like, where did you hear about it? She goes, it's all over Mexican radio, Hispanic radio. So, uh, so it's clearly made headlines around the world, Callum. Um, and I just want to say a couple of things for context, right? Because to state the obvious, mate, the absolute obvious, of course we condemn any type of violence. Of course we condemn any type of injuries to police. Of course we do. Of course we don't try to explain it away, right? Where, like when it happens in reverse. We don't say one bad apple, you know? We don't say, hey, everyone else is good. Don't don't be picking on him, you know. One bad apple, you know, trust everyone else. And, you know, when violence comes from the police to the public, there's always a reason. And we're always told to have context. And we're always told, yeah, it's regrettable that said individual got hurt. Or say, when a police officer commits murder, you know, we're told... Trust the police, you know, we, we, you know, we'll actually have undercover policemen now patrolling nightclubs, despite the fact that the reason for this whole thing was brought about by, you know, a police officer committing a heinous crime. Of course, we don't try to explain it away. Of course, we don't try to give that context and say one bad apple, right? Because that is so disrespectful to the victim, right? So... I just want this brought into context. There's a lot of people that are doing the hand-wringing that are talking about you know, what happened to the police officer and COVID regulations. Are the same people that made excuses for Dominic Cummins? You know, the same people that made excuses for habitual COVID violators? As long as it was someone they liked, you know, there was a reason, you know? And are the same people, as they said, defend violence from the security forces of police when it's perpetrated the other way around? So don't tell me 
the jury issue here really is about either one of those. And what I said last week, Callum, rings true. I said the imagery from burning that American flag was a major mistake because the Glazer PR machine will kick into gear and they are going to take images like this and they're going to deliberately obfuscate the narrative and call you hooligans and lunatics and you can already see it with Graham Sunnis and all these other people saying well it's not really about the owners it's just United fans being hooligans upset they're not winning everything this is entirely predictable this is why I say don't give them what they're looking for don't make it easy this is a gift to them that being said Callum anybody who has now said well yeah, you know what? The protests against the Glazers are no longer justifiable because of this, this, this. We're never on board in the first place and we're always looking for the first port to jump off, right? So we know who they are. You can never rely on them. We knew that these are, these are people that didn't really believe in what was happening. And as soon as the first opportunity came for them to have the... the, 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 the without any type of guilt or they have the moral... Um, a, a life raft where you can get out and say, you know what, I'm, I'm distancing myself from this, right? So, yes, it's regrettable that this happened, but let's have it right. This was a protest, right, that were, a, a few people happened to, um, a, per, a person I don't care about going on the pitch at Old Trafford, right? That, no one got hurt, not a big deal, right? Um, I don't care about any of that. Uh, considering the Glazers, and how they took control of the football club. And how they walked on the pitch at Old Trafford. And how they acquired the rights to walk on there. Was certainly a lot. Certainly a lot. Um, controversial. And, uh, uh, than, than, than the fans walking on the pitch. I got no problems. Because these are people putting money into the football club. That are angry about the custodians of this football club. How it's being run. How it's being used. And they should be angry. Because the ownership is justifiable. And what I, is unjustifiable. And what I hear from the Glazers and from people who try to defend them, okay, is, hey, give me one free trespass, right, and we'll, um, uh, forgive that, and we'll deal with the rest. In other words, just forget about the fact that we loaded all this debt on the football club. That, that's not relevant discussion. Let's start here, right? Just, just give us that free one, because they want you to forget about that, because that is indefensible. There is... Nobody capable of constructing an argument how taking out all that money to serve as finances, debt, dividend, is in the football club's best interest. It, it, it's laughable. Of course it's not. Hence why they don't do interviews. Hence, because it's indefensible. Right? So, to me, what is exciting, or not exciting, certainly encouraging, is the fact that the Super League is already a week old, or two weeks old. We've already had a game in between, yet the momentum for these protests are still there. Right? Maybe it was the Glazers' worst nightmare that Leeds, Leeds finished in the Leeds. That it was an uneventful game and that that didn't change the discussion. And now the Liverpool game didn't go ahead. I have no issue with the Liverpool game not going ahead. Colin Carlisle, bigger things at stake. Right? Bigger things at stake than my 90 minutes of entertainment. Sorry. I don't care if you need to get a points deduction. I don't care. <laughs> because if the Glazers now see, hey, we got a 25 point, point deduction and we're now out of Europe. All because the fans protested. That creates even more uncertainty for them to sell to banks when they're asking for borrow, for money and all this. Wait a minute. 
Who's to say your fans won't protest again this year? You're not in Europe. So when the Glazers start suffering consequences to this, then, and consequences to them are not the points deduction, but the revenue that they'll lose from the points deduction, then you increase the probability that they'll get rid of this football club. Because they have to be uncertain about every revenue stream and have, it, it, it certainly lose confidence that it's, that, that it's nailed down. So I have no problem with any of that. You never are not winning the league. I'm not celebrating finishing second. And I'm certainly not finishing, celebrating finishing the top four if it doesn't result in United trying to strengthen this summer to push on. What's the point? Might as well finish 10th, same thing. So for me, I could incur about these superficial things. For me, bigger things at stake and hopefully more and more people get involved. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they become even better organised where the key um, protagonists in this organise these fans and reiterate to them do not give them what they're looking for. Don't cause violence. Don't start any issues. I know Moss talked about this. It's really, really important. I know you're angry, but it's really, really important you follow that. Because if you do that, you become impossible to discredit because your core argument is so strong. Right? So if you just stay on point, stay on message, don't do anything else that can uh, can obfuscate the, the, the narrative, then... You have a chance. But if this starts breaking off in the violence, it's so easy to discredit. That's what we can't do. And I know you're angry and I know it's boiling over, but please, lads, lasses, please focus on... Um, you've done a brilliant job, pretty native fans, proud of, of, of the fact that um, they care so much about their football club. They're not being passive. They're not taking this land down. And a lot of the people that I saw at Old Trafford were people who were very young in 2005 who were still rightfully angry. Right, so um, for me, I got no issue. I'm disappointed, obviously, what happened to the police officer. I wish it didn't happen, and I wish the violence didn't happen. But for anyone who has now jumped off board from the Glazer protests and supporting them, as some in the media have done, didn't take long, um, they were never your friend in the first place. And we talked about this when it first started. Right, when you lie down with dogs, you get fleece. Don't lie down with these people. Because they're not your friend. So always remember, their loyalty is to the people that um, use currency as access. That access is currency. They don't care about you. But they're very conscious of criticizing people who can deny them access. Deny them interviews. It's human nature. So I'm just saying, you have to understand you know, that um, these people are not your friends. Um, Peter Schmeichel's comments, what do you make of them? I think in, the main thing that Peter Schmeichel says is, is working with the Glazers, and, and we spoke about this off-air, Phil. It's very hard to, to work with people that won't speak to you. And the harsh reality for Peter Schmeichel saying work with them is, despite all the financial engineering over the years, United are still £526 million in debt. The draining of the club's resources is going to continue for the foreseeable future. And even, even if Joe Glazer is willing to communicate via written statement, that's not real progress. On paper, you could say, oh, well, Joe Glazer's maybe writing to the fans' forum. Well, let's move in the right direction. There needs to be meaningful change. There needs to be meaningful conversation. Having that poor, lame statement that I mentioned earlier, apologising for the Super League, that can never be enough. That can never be the benchmark of communication. If things are going to change 
then these owners would have to commit to communicating in a meaningful manner, fielding questions from the media and fans' forums rather than just having scripted PR written answers. And that's never going to happen. So I think I think for Peter Schmeichel, certain former players are always going to be in a trickier position than others. And as you know, I do a lot of work with Willie Morgan and, and Willie's obviously been retired for many years and, and he spoke to the Glazer family with myself last week and he, and he called them out and he said, look, and one of the things he said off air, and he's happy for me to share this, is I don't earn any money from Manchester United. I don't have... They don't butter my bread in, in any way, shape, or form. Whereas for certain pundits and certain people, I suppose they're in a terrible, they're in a position where if they criticise, they know they can be cut off. And I'm not necessarily Peter Schmeichel can earn money with or without Manchester United. In my opinion, I think he's he's that big a name in football. But if you still have a strong affiliation or you still have a strong leaning. Uh, to work that you're doing within a club, it can be very hard to openly criticise. So I think, as you, as, as I know you, you believe, I think with Peter Schmeichel's comments, you need to maybe read between the lines a little more, because given where he is in his career and given the association he's got with Manchester United at the moment, it's very hard for him to come out all guns blazing, maybe like a Gary Neville has, who who doesn't have ties with the club anymore. Gary Neville, obviously, hotel football, he's, he's, mm. he's, he's rubbed the club up the wrong way in the last sort of five or ten years uh, in, in different elements. So he's, he's he's in a position where, let's be honest with you, <clears throat> the current Manchester United aren't going to be asking Gary Neville back anytime soon, so he can see whatever he wants. And if there's regime change, it could benefit him getting a role in or getting back in or whatever. Whereas with Schmeichel, he's kind of in there at the moment, so I don't think he can afford to rock the boat. But read between the lines and, and he, is, he is trying to make a point he might not be making it in the most concise and clear-cut manner but he, he is trying to make a point so I got a couple of points on this couple of arguments first of all um, I appreciate what you're saying um, <clears throat> but if Bojan Joric can find the balls to say what's true a guy who made a fraction of what Peter Schmeichel made and still making a fraction of what Peter Schmeichel's making then Peter Schmeichel can find his balls um but I have to say, when I sat and listened to what he said, um, and really listened to what he was saying, I wasn't as outraged as some. I mean, some of it was ridiculous, right? But if I listen to what Michael says, and I give him the most charitable interpretation of what he was saying, and, then, and I'm being extremely kind here, what I heard him say was, listen, what happened with the violence and everything else is disappointing because we didn't stay on message. I heard him say that, right? And now it becomes about this and not about the protest. I completely agree with him on that. He's 100% right. He also said, you're talking about a few billion. Um, most people who have a few billion aren't exactly nice people. So we also have to be careful about going from the glazers to what? Again, I agree with him. Where I vehemently disagreed with him was we need to work with the owners. Peter. The, it's not incumbent upon the fans to work with the owners. It's incumbent upon the owners to work with the fans. The owners have 24-7 access to the fans. The fans have zero access to the owners. If they haven't given an interview in 16 years, and by the way, that statement might as well have been written by Millie Vanilli. 
You know, one written by them. Uh, if they haven't given an interview in 16 years, how do you work with someone? It's impossible. Right? So call a spade a spade. Right? They're disgracefully toxic for the football club. They bring nothing to the football club. And if I hear somebody say again, well, you want all this under the Glazers. Right? It's a bit like saying, well, listen, the U.S. economy exploded when you were there. Yeah? How much do you think I had to do with the U.S. economy? Do you think it's just a coincidence? Because I don't think the Glazers had much to do with United <laughs> winning trophies on the pitch. I think that had more to do with Ferguson. And when he went... Why aren't the Glazers were supposed to be successful because of the Glazers? Where is that? Where can I draw a direct line between success and the Glazers? I can do that with City. I can do that with Chelsea. I can do that with PSG. I can't do that with Glazers. You know, where can I say, if it wasn't for the Glazers, we wouldn't have won this? Where? One example. I, I, I take it. If you can give it to me. None. So, we're not here to debate whether they're good or not bad for a club. We know they're disgraceful for a football club. Right, um, but um, I just uh, I want to commend the fans for everything that they've done, and of course now there's massive uncertainty. I said, and I believe this 100%, that United would not have drawn that game against Leeds had the whole debacle prior to that happened not have happened. I believe United would have been focused on that game. They wouldn't have had any distractions. It certainly didn't help them, I and mean, it didn't affect Leeds. But it certainly affected United and their relationship with the club, the board, the, 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 you know, the spineless cars now that are running like rats over sinking ships. And I'm not taking the blame. I'm just going to go off to another industry. Sorry, I wrecked yours. Let me go somewhere else and make money. So, of course, um, no one wants to take responsibility. It, I'm certain it affected United's preparation for that game. It probably isn't terminal in the sense that um, they, uh, they, they, they uh, are not going to catch City anyway. And we almost forgot that United are basically in a European final after a truly magnificent second half performance that almost has gone unnoticed amongst this. You know, that we almost forgot about. You know, Solskjaer's got United basically in a European final, which is a terrific accomplishment, right? And really hasn't got any credit for getting over that semi-final hump. Right, for those who fixated on it, certainly didn't mention much about it last week. Um, but uh, anyway, I just think, um, it again, you know, the Glazers from their own pursuing their own selfish desires disregarded Manchester United's history, disregarded football fans, and shit all over everybody else in the football pyramid who are responsible. For Manchester United's notoriety. Why do you think Manchester United are so famous around the world? Right? Not because they played in the league of their own. All the other football clubs contributed to Manchester United being who they are. Every single sport needs a major rivalry. Right? There needs intrigue. There needs... The, the people have to watch. If you're on your own, anyone, even if you dominate the sport on your own, nobody watches, nobody cares, and everyone knows what to expect. So Manchester United's ability to monetize the, 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 the football club through television rights and other things has a lot to do with other football clubs. In fact, we keep being told a big part of the strength of English football and SEAL is the fact 
that it has competitive bonds. So you're telling me that so many of these games are relevant around the world because of the other teams being good. Okay? So they are a big part of the reason why you're able to monetize your brand. Monetize your football club. Right? And now you want to cut their throats and say, tough shit, we're, we're, we're gone, lads? I personally would love to see, if, if, if it wasn't my football club and someone else did that, I would love to see them go have complete financial ruin, fall apart. They deserve it. Absolutely deserve it. Then come crawling. Because when the Super League collapses, where are they going to go? They're going to come crawling back. Can we uh, forget about that little venture? We'd like to come back and we'll just let bygones be bygones. Right? So, um, yeah. And, and United fans will not be surprised. The Glazers showed a hand to the rest of the Premier League and everybody else that they've showed to United fans for years. United fans have been screaming at these people to listen. They never listened. They didn't care because it didn't affect them. Now it affected them. They're outraged. Right? So, I sincerely hope that fans capitalise on this and demand, at the very least, a seat on the board, even if it's advisory, even if you have no voting rights, no ability to be involved, but you are informed and you are uh, a conduit between the fans and the football club so that they understand sentiment. They, they, they take decisions with the fans into consideration. They'll never do that because Manchester United business, Manchester United football club are two different things. The business is constantly trying to keep things from the fans because they know the fans get angry, right? And so they don't want to disclose their hand, the fans, about what they're doing. You know, the fans are too righteous. There's no chance that they will give fans any meaningful position in football going forward that puts them at the heart of decisions going forward. No chance. The Premier League won't do it. The broadcasters won't do it. You know, and, and, and certainly no one else involved in football. I don't see replica shirts coming down. I've had to listen to how we've known a new financial reality because of COVID. Well, the one person, that, the one group of people that that never applied to, even as the wealth went into the Premier League, the one set of people that never saw any dividend from that was the fans. Well, if you don't care about the fans, they don't care. So... They're just using them, of course, to help make their point. So um, there's lots of culprits in this, Callum. But, uh, you know, good for Arsenal. If they get meaningful owners, they get they have the heart, their, the heart of the, the, their heart in the right place, the football club. If they, you know, like Roy Keane said, we, we accept there's a business side to this. That's part of life. But um, we don't accept football clubs that forget their football clubs and, and think they're a business. So absolutely, <coughs> and just to come in there, Phil. Two, yes, two quick points I want to make. Um, if you look at United's strongest back four, you've got Juan Bissaka developed at Crystal Palace, Shaw developed at Southampton, Maguire, who has made it to United via teams like Sheffield United, Hull, and Leicester. <coughs> Victor Lindelof as well came from Benfica, another club that would have been in, wouldn't have been in this closed shop competition. So, as you said earlier, the football pyramid here in England and also football clubs across Europe are clubs that help Manchester United become who they are and what they are. Because, yes, for every Rashford and, and Greenwood that you produce, you are going to have to go out with sometimes and you're going to have to bring in other players. And it's important to remember that these clubs 
develop players that can help you in the future as well and that the pyramid is something that needs to be protected and celebrated because it's the essence and the purity of football and another thing on 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 ownership and engaging with fans Chelsea a club that get a lot of criticism rightly so you could say for the way Abramovich has conducted these business over the years um They've announced tonight that as of July the 1st, there will be a supporter presence at the club's board meetings. Three supporters will be picked through an election and selection process. They'll be given the chance to attend board meetings to ensure general supporter sentiment is considered as part of the club's decision-making process. Now, for me, what's stopping Manchester United doing that? Now, we all know know what's stopping Manchester United doing that. But if Chelsea announced this and some of the others follow suit, the situation at Arsenal takes a turn, then there's only going to be even more pressure on the Glazers with these protests because if other clubs are starting to listen to the fans and they're going to do something about it, United need to follow. And if they don't, the anger is only going to grow and grow and grow. And as, as, as you said earlier, keep the momentum, keep fighting on the core message because the core message, as you said earlier, is so good. The core message, it gets through so well, if you dilute it, that's what they want. So stick to the core message. If clubs like Chelsea, I know they're maybe not the perfect example, are willing to put fans on the board, you can be sure that the PR that they get from that will be so good that other clubs will follow suit and United fans must and the other organisations need to just keep encouraging people to stick to that message. Don't be violent and hit them where it hurts, and that's in their pockets. I notice fans have, have, have said tonight that they're going to boycott the sponsors. That's something that, that will be effective, but I'm afraid that's only going to be effective over time. That, that that will only be seen over time, and I suppose you could even question how effective that will be, given the reach of Adidas and other companies globally. But something needs to be done, and I admire every single person who's striving for change because it's so badly needed. All we want in this show, as you know, Phil, is to talk football, to mm-hmm. talk about United scoring six in the European semi-final, to talk about United hopefully in a European final, to be excited about what we're seeing in the pitch, to maybe say, oh, we've been linked with this player, what do you make of him? Some excitement, some positivity. And instead, constantly from upstairs in the football club, we're having to talk negatively week in, week out yeah. and force change because they're not willing to give us the change that they could very easily do overnight very easily you know it's such a shame about this Callum see prior to the Super League we, you and I were talking and I remember saying something that this was the best United have looked since Ferguson and they do this they put all of their chips on black and lose and you're going all the hard work that Solskjaer's put in over the last couple of years the fact that we finally felt like we have building on something. We have solid foundations. We're moving in the right direction. You know, yes, the ownership is still there. But we've had to learn to love United without being conscious of the owners. Right? We've had to do that. Some people can't do that. And I totally commend the fact that they have followed their convictions and either gave up football or went to FC United. Nothing but respect for that. But for those who didn't, I understand that too. I understand that we've had to learn to love United in spite of the Glazers. And we were in good position. We were moving forward. Momentum. Now everything is up in the air. Now we just don't know. 
And it's just so frustrating. And once again, they've made Solskjaer's job harder. Solskjaer may not be the best manager in the world, but you almost need to be the best manager in the world to be successful at United, given all the things that go on. So, uh, extremely, extremely frustrating to have that momentum killed. And, uh, you know, the post said, uh, we'll talk quickly about uh, the Leeds game, mate. Um, or, or sorry, the uh, Roma game up and coming. Uh, what's your take on that? In ter- I just want to quickly talk about, obviously, the, the mm-hmm. first leg. I thought United showed great strength because in the past, maybe even just I'd say a year ago, if United had conceded two goals in the fashion that they did, I think you'd have been in for a really tense tense game. I think there would have been a lot of passing side to side. I think there would have been uh, quite a lot of confusion on the park and anxiety probably is the better word. Whereas United were were ruthless. They they regrouped. And what I liked about United, and we've talked about this in recent weeks, they got a goal, they got another goal, they got another goal. They kept on going back time and time and time again. And all the top sides, all the sides that win the major prizes are ruthless. And that's the streak that's come into this United side. How many times has United come from behind this season? And then people say, oh, that's luck. That's no fluke for me. That's that's not luck. That's mentality. All the best sides under Fergie. Um, I know obviously we could use the, the cliche Champions League final in 99, but even in the season that Fergie retired in, remember the game at Southampton where you're going behind twice and Van Persie and uh, it's coming back time and time again. You're scoring with a couple of minutes to go and there's that never-say-die attitude. That's what you've seen from United against Roma. But what you also seen was when they got that bit of momentum, they went for it. And they went for the, the proverbial kill. They kept going back and again and again. And that's something that, that has to be commended. Solskjaer has been able to develop that over his uh, course of time as manager. Now, obviously, it's important that United don't show any sign or um, symptoms of complacency this week. But I don't think they will. I think they will go and get the job done. I think they will make it to the Europa League final. And whether it's Arsenal or whether it's Villarreal, I, I, I think this United side are so determined and they've shown so much mental toughness in recent weeks and months that I would back them to get the job done. Not saying it's going to be easy. I wouldn't write off the Real if they get through. And with Arsenal, of course, Arsenal have been really poor in the league. But if Arsenal get to the final, it's an all-or-nothing match where it's Champions League or bust. And that's got to motivate players, intrinsically motivate them. And if it doesn't, then that's another story for, for their fans to discuss. But the progression is there. It's vital that Solskjaer gets that trophy and I think it can be a springboard. Next season's going to be a big ask, even if you even if you invest, because Manchester City are going to go again in the market. Manchester City, as we've talked about, Phil, I've got quality players coming out. There are years in every position. Um, so I think it's, it's going to be tough regardless. But I feel really positive at the moment in terms of United on the park, doing the business, um, they've not won the Premier League yet, and there's still a long. You could say there's still a long way to go to get there, but it's not the insurmountable journey that we thought it was maybe only two years ago, where you're thinking we need six, we need seven, we need eight. You're talking about two or three, and I think United are in a position if they win the Europa League to have that momentum to go and do it. And we've said this in the show. I'm not saying they're going to go and get a Haaland or a Kane because, as you've said, they absolutely won't. But I still think they can make a difference in this summer market. And I just hope and pray that they do because it's the best since Ferguson, as you've said, in terms of watching United. I mean, scoring six goals in a European semi-final is is, is extraordinary uh, in, in, in any either. You know, and, and people say, oh, Serie A's 
not as competitive as it used to be. Nonsense. You know, I think you, you have to admit that's a, a great achievement. The momentum is there. They need to get the job done. I think they will get the job done. And I think we're in for a, an exciting finish to the season in Europe. Um, the league, obviously, I think United, let's be honest, will finish second. Leicester have sort of dropped off. The other sides have got a lot of catching up to do if they want to get close to United. But I think we're in for an exciting end to the season on the park in Europe. And and that's something that would I think we would have all have taken at the start of the season. Well, we'd prefer to be in the Champions League, of course we would. We shall see, Matt. Let's move to the Q&A section of our show, the last segment here. Um, thanks to each and every one of you for sending in the questions every week. We try to get to as many as possible, so uh, apologies if we don't get to read your question out. But uh, we'll start with Stockholm Red, who says, How's the coverage come across in America? Is anyone paying attention to the Glazers or war? Um, the coverage is not, as you would imagine, like it is in the UK. It's certainly not all over the place. Um, you know, Football's just not a major sport here. Uh, it's certainly gotten a lot more column inches than what it would have in 2005 and certainly it's a lot more um, widespread coverage than any other time but um, it's barely penetrating the conscience, conscience of America in the same way that if it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers you know it certainly wouldn't be dominating the English sports media and again you also have to understand there is a massive difference between American sport and culture in UK or European or whatever sport and culture. They don't see the problem um, that United fans and others see. Uh, so, uh, um, as in McBall writes, in your opinion, what will it take to finally get the Glazers to sell? Calma, go ahead and thought over you, Matt. In terms of what it will take for them to sell, uh, we've spoken about this, of course, in the show already. I think you need to have a consistent message, which the fans have, and you need to consistently protest in a peaceful way, protest in a way that will pick up coverage. The likes of, of Gary Neville and other broadcasters, Jimmy Carragher, I think deserves a lot of credit this week, have been on the side of the fans and been amplifying the message. So I think it's important to continue the campaign. Uh, 2010's Green and Gold campaign was, was very good. It was very visual. Of course, fans can't be back in the stadium uh, at the moment, but when fans are allowed back in the stadium, I think another visual element to uh, to, to the protest has to remain. But and what will it take to make the Glazers to sell? Unfortunately, the, the one thing that, that that's needed for them to sell is someone with the finance to come in and take over Manchester United, whether that's a group of people coming together or whether that's uh, one wealthy individual or one wealthy company. So I think you just need to consistently mobilise. I think you need to, as I say, have a visual focus when fans are back in stadiums, which is is easily picked up by TV cameras because the Premier League, as we're always told, goes all over the world and into so many millions of people's homes and pubs and bars, etc. So have a visual element, keep the consistent message and ultimately, I hate to be the bearer of bad news there, but ultimately you're going to need someone with deep pockets to want to come and buy the club. So I think it's important that as I say, you keep your consistent message and when someone does come along, scrutinise them as well as the, as the Glazers because you don't want someone else getting a free ride. How, how often have, have Newcastle fans thought anyone and everyone will be better than Mike Ashley and, and, and a takeover still not quite happened because the interested parties have been scrutinised and all hasn't 
been there, for want of a better phrase. So there's a long way to go yet, but continue to mobilise and keep the momentum is, is the best advice I can give you from a, a fan standpoint, but ultimately you're going to need someone with deep pockets. Um, Sean, Fearon, Sean Fearon writes, uh, will the Glazers try to keep fans happy by a few new signings this summer? Just try to keep us quiet, Cavani Stan. Um, yes and no. Look, uh, Glazers um, are obviously conscious of fan mood, right? So... Um, if they feel like there's a legitimate threat to revenue, they will always weigh things up and say, okay, if we spend 80 million or 100 million, will it result in quell and fan unrest? Um, and, and if they do that and they think there's value in that, okay. But what I will say is any United fans appeased by silence are misunderstanding what this protest is all about and genuinely making the point for Graham Soonish and everybody else who sends just this bunch of spoiled children. So I would beg each and every one of you to not be bought off by cheap gimmicks and by signings and what have you, um, because that is putting lipstick on and uh, it, 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 you're a carcass and you need, need more than that. Uh, so uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would hope that wouldn't be the case. Uh, do you have anything to add that, man? No, I think it's a perfect summation. I think they, they may well go out and, make, and maybe put an extra 50 million quid into the net spend that's, that's normally out that 60, 70 million pound mark. But don't let that distract you because how we, we saw it under Van Hal where in one window in particular he was given an awful lot of money in the net spend and then the next year it kind of plateaus back to normal. So don't be bought by a short-term measure because medium to long term is ultimately going to be the same. Completely agree. Uh, we have uh, Tay MUFC rates. Are you expecting a quiet summer this window? Um, what youth players do you expect to come through to the first team next season? I uh, hope you're both well. Same to you, Matt. Uh, first point, I expect, I've always said I expect a similar summer to last summer, but that was prior to everything that's happened. And now it's just very difficult to predict what will happen. Uh, there's so much uncertainty uh, with regards to penalties being imposed on United and all that our, so I just think there's so much uncertainty right now um, that there's lots of different potentials. Um, but um, I've always said, all things being equal, I think I would expect a similar summer to last one in that no massive signings are made, uh, m relatively modest summer. Um, and um, the only thing that could change that if there's some big uh, big player sales. So you think add that, mate? I think uh, just from a purely speculative point of view, you could look at it in one of two ways. They either reduce the budget and say to Solskjaer, work with what you've got because they're so peeved off at the situation they don't want to even invest a little that they do. Or number two is, is the last question hinted at. Maybe they will put an extra 50, 60, 70 million into the kitty and maybe get a marquee name, a Sancho, a Kane, I don't know, to come in and, and, and in their hopes paper over the cracks. But I think it's, it's one of these summers where there's going to be a lot of upheaval in football this summer. I know people are focusing on Haaland and Kane. I think something to, to remember is that in that sort of middle echelon a player is probably still more accessible than they have been in recent year, years for clubs that are able to buy. There are an awful lot of football clubs in Europe who will want to sell players if they possibly can because, as you saw with the Super League, not just from Manchester United's point of view, but there are, are a lot of clubs across Europe, Real Madrid being one of them, that are screaming out who are really struggling financially. So I think that sort of that sort of middle tier of players, I think you will be able to access talent in there, whether it's a sufficient talent to improve you and get you over the line with City, I don't quite know. But I think there will be movement 
uh, with United and, and City and these sorts of clubs this summer. Um, whether it's a superstar, I don't quite know, but I definitely think there will be movement. I completely agree with you on that, mate. Sadie Raza says, um, of course, Sadie, brilliant uh, supporter of the show, uh, absolute gentleman, and I uh, encourage you to give him a follow at Sadie Raza MD. Nice, nice to hear from him. He uh, says, how do you think the fan reaction to Glazer ownership affects Pogba, Bruno Rashford, etc., only on contracts and Stan? Why is that a club when ownership is so clearly not committed to winning? Well, first of all, I don't think any of those players signed it because of the Glazers. Or I don't think um, the Glazers... Um, had their trust just like the club um, and the fans. So, um, but it doesn't mean they they they, they may have had neutral feelings towards them. Now they, I'm sure they feel betrayed, and certainly it's going to affect the people that represent the Glazers and the relationship with them because they know that they knew, and so the only thing that would help, I guess, is that the fact that you know where does the likes of Pogba and Fernandez go really the other clubs are involved in the Super League and I don't see either of them making a moral stand and saying I'm going to go to PSG at a protest you know I think that obviously it's going to affect relationships um, you know it's going to affect Solskjaer's relationship and that's what I'm talking about with the uncertainty that we just don't know um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens over the next few months but I do know that the players were very unhappy I think with Pogba, just to add, um, his agent, Mino Raiola, this week has basically said it's important uh, what Manchester United want, what project they're proposing for Paul. His dream is to win the Champions League. It's always been his his objective. We'll see if that's possible at United or or other big European clubs. In my opinion, just reading between the lines, Phil might tell me I'm wrong here, but I think the fact he's referencing United in in those type of statements is, is sort of hinting that they are more warm than than they maybe have been in, in the recent past that it's signing a new contract and agreeing a new contract, but at the same time, with a player like Pogba, as Phil has said in this show many a time, he's out of contract next summer. <laughs> All the power's going to be in his court term this summer. So I think although they're more open to listening to United and potentially committing, Mino Raiola Raiola isn't daft he'll know that there's going to be so many options come summer 2022 so I think if United get this deal done they have to get it done before the Euros I don't think they can let it linger on into the start of next season because I think that's when it becomes a circus and I'm not saying it's a circus because it's Paul Pogba you've seen it with Arsenal over the years whenever a marquee name goes into the last year of their deal it just becomes a circus because papers link them podcasts link them you name it links them so I think it needs to be tied up soon if it's going to be tied up at all I completely agree okay uh, last question uh, Chris Castaneda and apologies to Oit and everyone we didn't get two folks um, we've got hundreds of, or lots of them here and I just we, we wouldn't get them all bore the trunks of you all day um, but keep sending them in tweet me them and I'll get to as many as I can um, for the ones that didn't answer on here and see them with Callum uh, Chris Castaneda asked a really good question uh, that's specific to here um, more than anything. He says, what do you think is the problem with the NBC coverage of the protest, um, which was very unkind, I should say. Uh, such a shame to see how wrong they were. Pundits that I've enjoyed in the past seem to be completely disconnected from me. I think some of this is geared towards an American market. You have to remember when a lot of these protests and stuff are being covered by the media and what have you, you know, hardcore United fans are not the audience. They're, tar- they're, 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 they're broadcasting for um, so I think some of it is because you know what's consistent with the American culture and what they find offensive and what have you um, it, it was just it was not kind and it, it certainly wasn't to my, per, uh, my opinion accurate 
Um, I know, you know, the people that work there, they're wonderful people. I just disagree with the, the way they covered it and, and, and some of the things that was said and how it was covered and some of the things that was blamed on, it was just really, really disappointing. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 again, I remind you that um, the only time these people are your friends is when your interests, you know, um, converge, but when they don't, they, um, they disown you. So, um, you know, that's, that's how it is. But anyway, mate, we'll go ahead and leave it there. Thanks to each and every one of you for uh, your downloads, likes, retweets and everything. Always appreciate it. If you haven't had a chance to check out some interviews, I did a Keith Gillespie interview last week as well, which was about an hour long. Really, really interesting. I encourage you to listen to that. Um, and uh, don't forget to check out my colleague's podcast here. Callum, all the best, mate. All the best. Take care. See you, mate. Bye.